the Spanish announce table. Hey, bitch ass. It's episode 330 of the Spanish announce table. I'm Tim. I'm here with my buddy Tom, and we're going to talk some pro wrestling. Yes, we are. Ball sacks, I tell you what, it was a fun, eventful week in this wacky world of pro wrestling. Uh, but before we get into that, Tim, how are you? What's new? What's going on in your world? I'm well, um, you know, been living, uh, trying to get by. We're, we've had a lot of rain here, so I'm still putting off some of this gardening that we've been trying to get done. And uh, I had to break up a dog fight, take another dog to the emergency vet because some neighbor dog issues. And, you know, just trying to not be the angry dad of the area. Well, you know, sometimes you also have to just be who you are. So just give into it if it needs to happen. Because you know what? Order and understanding is what's most important not who you want to be who are you you know mm. who are you i'm tim that's what's important and i'm tom and what i've been up to is realizing that we're doing the wrong thing tim you want to know why hmm listening to one of my favorite podcasts other I've than spent this 40 one. years trying to figure out why i'm doing the wrong thing well tom. here here's why we are doing the wrong thing uh one of my favorite podcasts other than ours uh, that I listened to is the Dan Lebitard used to be Dan Lebitard show with Stu Gatz used to be on ESPN. He took a bet on himself and he said, you know what? We're leaving ESPN. We're leaving the mothership. We're going to take a bet on ourselves and we think we can do this better on our own. Three months went by where they were just paying bills out of their own pockets, not getting a paycheck, just hoping for the best. And it was announced yesterday that DraftKings and the Dan Lebitard show have reached a three-year agreement reportedly worth $50 million. DraftKings out here just giving out $50 million to Metal Arc Media, which is Dan Lebitard's company. Yeah, Dan Lebitard's company with former ESPN uh, executive John Skipper. The reason I think this is interesting, though, is Metal Arc Media has... Uh, a number of different shows in its umbrella. Dan Lebitard is the uh, flagship, but then underneath that, you got Brock Meyer, you got some other shows. One of the shows is called Cinephile, hosted by Monday Night Raw voice Adnan Verk. Mm. And Adnan Verk has been going on Lebitard's show, talking about how great this experience with WWE has been, how amazing all of the people have been and all of that. And then he mentions... Hey, thank you, Nick Khan. Hmm. And I was like, Nick Khan sounds familiar. Go back to, you know, reading the the dirt sheets and the financials. Because although I don't like dirt sheets, right? The Charlotte has heat with Mandy Rhodes or whatever it is. I don't give a shit about that. I do enjoy the financials of just sports and entertainment companies. So I was looking at the financial reports from WWE. Vince McMahon giving a big thumbs up to this Nick Khan guy who reportedly sold the WWE network to Peacock for that $1 billion. And I'm not even exaggerating. I think it was $1 billion. And then you start to look around. Well, Nick Khan is getting praise from Vince McMahon. And then all of a sudden, right after WrestleMania, we get a new voice of Monday night raw. Nick Khan represented Nick Khan representative Adnan Verk. And then you get the the Mark Carano gets kicked to the curb. Now, there was bad PR, but reportedly 
that wasn't the first time he sent a trash bag to a fired WWE employee. So this has been known. This must have just been the straw that broke the camel's back. Now Nick Khan is looking to fill that position. Very interesting to see the 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 waves of change in WWE where Nick Khan, for those who don't know, was essentially known as like the shadow president of ESPN because he represented so many clients and so many personalities that if he said my client Stephen A. Smith, for example, wants, you know, to do two more hours of radio, all of a sudden two more hours of radio appear for Stephen A. Smith. So now I'm interested to know of all these CAA guys that he used to represent starting to come over into our world. What do you think about that? Some new blood into the world of pro wrestling. I'm interested in, in the new blood because it's been stale over there. Uh, I think if, if anybody at this point and, you know, people with experience in doing what they're doing there, then, you know, uh, it couldn't hurt, I guess. I mean, anybody's got to be better than what they've been putting out. I think it's going to be very interesting because Adam Verk is very transparent with his uh infatuation with pro wrestling he grew up a wrestling fan he obviously could tell you of some wrestling shows that he went to uh with his family uh, as a young kid but he did not know that baron corbin had a finisher uh or that he was known as king corbin right he didn't know that drew mcintyre uh was not the uh, you know what did he call him the irish the celtic warrior he called mm-hmm. uh drew mcintyre the celtic warrior so the details of his pro wrestling fandom are not there but he did say he appreciates pro wrestling where i think this is going to be interesting is you have professionals like adnan verk who calls major league baseball games on the regular obviously has a wealth of knowledge from his days uh at espn how they approach this wacky world of pro wrestling especially as you mentioned the the older generation is starting to kind of find retirement or unfortunately passing away in the in regards to like a pat patterson so now if you're getting this new blood in here and they're saying like what you can't say a word like wrestling or refer to a championship as a belt no that's fucking dumb now how does a wrestling fan like us me and you consume this content so it's going to be an interesting uh, few months and years assuming nick khan is there for that time period and how wwe unfolds into kind of his image because vince you know still runs the show but vince ain't going to be there forever yeah that's the interesting point is vince ain't going to be there forever and soon it's going to be stephanie and and triple h and like how do they attack things like this and like are they going to get rid of the yes men is it going to be like north korea when they are they going to anybody from the old regime is out you know yeah so it'll be interesting uh but let's let's table that conversation for a little bit later because we'll get into that uh crud known as wwe raw smackdown and other properties from the world wrestling entertainment but let's get into our favorite brand in pro wrestling that is aew you can call us aew marks whatevs mm-hmm. if we like something we're gonna tell you and right now we like aew so last night was aew dynamite and before we get into a, a breakdown of all the action high level overview what did you think did you come across or did you come leaving going like i can't wait for blood and guts or uh, yes that's how i came across I, th- I felt like this was one of the better episodes they put out in a while from start to finish i thought it was action-packed there were storylines galore uh, I had it up behind us, but the parlay was one of the best things I've seen in a while um, as far as like an in-ring showdown. So, I mean, we're going to get into all of that. But uh. Yeah. 
I thought this felt like a go home show, even though Blood and Guts is a pay per view mm-hmm. show. That's yeah, what was interesting mm-hmm. is they treated it as if uh, as if this is going to be next week a you can't miss kind of episode of AEW Dynamite, almost uh, similar to if you go back into like the early nineties of WCW when they would put Clash of Champions on yeah, TBS. That's exactly it what it feels, feels like. like yeah, it feels something like that. So let's get into it. The the episode kicked off with the number one contender, our favorite, Hangman Adam Page, taking on the machine, Brian Cage. This match was not in a cage, but it was one-on-one. And it starts off with Brian Cage attacking Hangman before the bell even rings. And just wall-to-wall action from there. What did you think about the opening match here from Brian Cage and Hangman? Uh, intense. Gosh, I mean, Cage throwing Hangman around, him taking it up and just rooting for Hangman the whole time. They've done a good job of still making Cage, who's a physical specimen and can do all kinds of things, and you like the guy, he's still making him a good heel that you want to root against in the ring. Um, the outcome, I was disappointed in. I'm always, I'm always sad when Hangman loses. But, you know, um, you know, it is what it is. So, so let's talk about that. We had for a few weeks, uh, even in kayfabe world, being told that Hangman's the number one contender. So Hangman and Kenny Omega, although they didn't really initially address it, they did bring it up one time to Hangman in an interview, and Hangman kind of just sidestepped it. But Hangman versus Kenny Omega, that's what you can look forward to here coming up soon in AEW. And now, Brian Cage, it's not a clean victory, right? Because we mentioned he attacked him before the the bell rang. The Dark Order does come to make the save to like get things level, but... Brian Cage overcomes the number one contender, Hangman Adam Page here, gets the victory. What do we do? Do we now say Brian Cage is the number one contender? Because he wasn't the number two contender. I think he was in the top five, but now what do we do? I don't know how they're doing these rankings, right? I don't know if it's, you know, four schmucks sitting in a room, probably Mm -hmm. is, and they're going, you know, well, we got to give some credence to records, so they look at that, and I think they were like, oh, yeah, Hangman number one. But then I think they were like, oh, it's too soon to do the – the Hangman Kenny Omega thing, right? So, I, I, you know what? Here's where it would work. So we saw Hangman. He's the number one contender. We saw this a couple of weeks ago. He's in the back with you know the, you know the Dark Order boys, and they're goofing it up. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go get egg rolls and stuff. But he sidesteps the question of being the number one contender. He's like, Yeah, never mind. Let's roll around a few more weeks. Kenny Omega gets through whoever he's going through. Hangman Adam Page is number one contender again. They go, Hey, you ready to challenge for the thing? And he's like, Uh, you know, I really want to take on Darby Allen for the uh, TNT title. And they're like. Oh, nobody's done that yet. Like, uh, yeah, that's a thing you can do. And he'll be like, yeah. And they'll be like, okay. And then he, like, mm-hmm. loses that somehow. And he's like, oh, shucks. And then number one contender again. He's like, oh, yeah. I got to go pick up uh, Johnny Hungy from the bar. You know, like, something like that where he's and we're like, why are you ducking this, man? Like, why are you? Yeah, hmm. so that's, that's a story that we could tell with Hangman feeling too much pressure from the moment and says, I crack under the pressure. I lost to Brian Cage. If this was on dark or elevation, I beat him 10 times out of 10. You say I'm the number one contender, and all of a sudden now I got two left feet and I can't pin Brian Cage. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Brian Cage here, which is very fascinating because they have flirted with the idea that Brian Cage – isn't necessarily Team Taz for life. So does Brian Cage say, hey, I'm beating Hangman Adam Page with no one cage side or ringside, right? Like, it's just me. I'm making, I'm getting these victories. So does Team Taz, which I'm wearing right here, does Team Taz need to get kicked to the curb? And I go on my own because I got my 
first championship shot when I was in Team Taz and Taz threw in the towel, that shit ain't going to happen again. Nope. Next time I get a shot, it's going to be me, and I will dictate when the match is over. It's interesting. It I is. like this. Of, of anyone to beat Hangman for this, he was the number one contender, I thought this was the perfect person to add a wrinkle into both stories for Brian Cage and Hangman. So Brian Cage does get the victory. We will see what happens. But right after that, we go into a limo, six guys hanging out in a limousine talking shit, it's uh, the Young Bucks, uh, the Good Brothers, Kenny Omega, and Don Callis. And uh, just, what did you think before I just go off on my tangent? I, the one thing I take away that makes me smile is these guys know how to hit you over the head with sleaze. Like, I do not like these guys. Oh, I fucking hate they, them. You know, and I, we didn't like them before when they were trying to be faces, so I, I don't so want to give easy. them credit for, like, <laughs> right. oh, they're doing a great job. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah. We we didn't need much of a push in that direction, but yeah, um, boy, I, I think these are the guys where if we were in a bar and we weren't wrestling fans and we were just hanging out, and we saw these guys and heard them laugh, we'd be like, these guys are like frat boys who never like left the fraternity. Oh God, they they s- smell and scream of just guys at the bar telling you their high school stats. Well, I oh, scored yeah. four touchdowns in the sectional game against Park Hill South or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. They smell like uh, $4 champagne and Drakkar Noor. Oh, God. It just, I just, I don't. Oh, God. They're so. Mm. Here's the thing. Kenny oh, Omega. Let's, let's hear it. I want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny Omega, to a certain extent, is doing this heel run really well. He does do some really bad acting that I think is on purpose. And what I mean by that is when the car horn goes off because uh, Nakazawa hits a button or something and the thing goes, he does the worst overreaction of, oh my God, it's Eddie and John going to beat me up. But I think he's doing that on purpose because he's doing a, <laughs> this is what bad guys always do. And so I don't like that, but I like everything up until that point. The promo where he was cutting uh, in the that he was cutting in the uh, limousine where he took off the the glasses and was like, "I'm the man," like all of that, perfect. But then those fucking young bucks that just uh, they try so fucking hard and it's not good. There's a difference between trying like an MJF and you're like, "Wow, that was good," but fuck you dickhead yeah right that guy right. or even when chris jericho if you if you go back to february 2020 when he was here in kansas city for an AEW dynamite before he took on john moxley at revolution and he grabs the microphone because people are starting to cheer him a little bit and he's like hey patrick mahomes is a piece of shit and you're like oh you ooh, right because that's the way God, to get the whole down crowd what he called him the, he said the wrong thing too right yeah he, aaron mahomes he's like aaron, aaron mahomes, mahomes. <laughs> he said aaron mahomes yeah yeah because he that wasn't, doesn't care. But that was legit. Like, he fucked up the name. That wasn't yeah, even. But he, but he doesn't even care. Like, yeah. that's the thing. And so you're like, fucking shit. When the Young Bucks are doing all these things, it's. This is why I don't like the Young Bucks. Here's why I don't like the Young Bucks. Here's why I don't Just like the, the one. Young this Bucks. is the one reason? This is the main reason. <laughs> is they come up with good ideas. Legitimately, they do. And we'll get into their match here in just a quick second. And so they, they have these good ideas of how to get heat, right? The, the one thing where, like, they jump over to the opponent's corner and act like they're going to get the hot tag, things of that nature. And that's all great when you write it down. 
And then you like have it on a piece of paper and it says, you know, these six things will get us heat. And then they do it and it legitimately feels like they're just reading off the paper right before. It's so forced and unnatural that I hate them because I want to turn off the television, not because of the heat they're doing. It's this is so fucking yeah. aggravating. They've always felt Arr. like the guys who we've talked about this. They're the nerds acting cool, but it's the it's the, in the way that like it's if I'm not cool and you are, Tom, right? In this hypothetical non-realistic experiment, I'm not cool and you are. And I go, "Man, Tom's really cool." Tom made a joke that, you know, the context and everything was funny, right? When Tom said Steve's an asshole, right? Because it it rolled into whatever was going on but then they come around and they go steve's an asshole remember right yeah right right steve's an asshole steve's an asshole guys <laughs> and you're like it's not funny when you just say steve's an asshole we were talking about assholes and i went oh well steve's an asshole and everybody went right ah, i see what you did there now you're just coming in with an insult and you're like jabbing us in the ribs going like right that's funny right like it's like no it was funny then and how it happened then not what you're doing now just to do it because it was funny once. Right. That's what Perfect. the Young Bucks feel like to me all the time. 100%. So now let's get into the match. Oh, ha- hold on. No, no. Yeah. Actually, close second right now, who I just don't fucking mm. like, is the Good Brothers. And this is kayfabe why I don't like them. First off, let's break kayfabe. I don't like them. They fucking are dorks. Now let's go into kayfabe. Why in the fuck is are these two outsiders? Mm-hmm in your promotion and no one wants to fuck them up if you were to go back let's let's go back to the young bucks favorite time the nwo because they do the whole hand gestures again to your point it was cool back then but then they do it and they're like huh and we're like nah well some of us are but you guys are fucking dorks but you know so they're doing this now let's go back to that time period when the nwo was invading you had the four horsemen and sting and luger who were going up against each other stop to address the nwo now again in kayfabe fast forward to 2021 you have two impact wrestlers that are just showing up each and every week and no one's doing anything no luchasaurus is saying get the fuck out of here no death triangle yeah. well they did to a certain extent but you know there, there's well, no but, one going to that limousine saying yeah. like get the fuck out of here especially brothers when they had matches like why aren't the aw dynamite going guys going hey i'm not getting paid tonight because yeah. those guys get a fucking match yeah what's up with that and, and and so let's talk about the match now we have the young bucks taking on the side l brothers very fun match again it was good they do really well all four guys can wrestle a good match like I mentioned earlier, though, the heat segments, the, the Johnny Cage uh, punch the dick felt very good on paper. But when you do it and then you just stare at the camera acting like I should fucking know what this is, even though I do, it's still like you don't need to tell me, pal. I, I know what you did. Fucking move along, pal. Move along. Anyhow, after that, we get the Young Bucks beating the Seidel brothers. SCU comes out and they said, hey. Remember, uh, if we lose, we're breaking up, and uh, we're the number one contenders. So let's uh, do an all or nothing, right? It's either we get the belts or we're breaking up. Let's take on the the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. So I believe, again, I'm not fact-checking here, I think that's happening next week on Blood and Guts. 
What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I mean, that ought to be interesting, right? It ought to be a... Do you think we get sports entertainment here? And what I mean by that, do we get uh, Frankie Kazarian saying, Christopher Daniels, you were, you were always holding me back, and then that's how they break up? Or do you think we get a sentimental, hey, hell of a run. We started in I TNA. I think we're getting that. And it, yeah, because I just, I don't think, I mean, yes, if they had plans to like push Frankie Kazarian to the moon, maybe they go this route. But if they're legit, legit thinking like, hey, we're 67 years old each and we're not going to do this again, right? Like, I mean, we may do one offs here and there, but we're not going to have another run as like this Kazarian Daniels thing, then it wouldn't warrant a like, you know, how's your father and a fuck you because this is a this is a moment, right? These guys have wrestled for forty seven years together. Yeah, I think they started before the Rock and Roll Express. So mm-hmm. um, they you know? trained the Rock and Roll <laughs> yeah, Express. If, if memory that. serves me correct, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's where here's my only criticism, and I'm going to bring up this criticism a little bit later. But this was the first example of it that I saw in this Dynamite episode. Is SCU comes out and reminds the Dynamite crowd of what they've imposed on themselves where if they lose the next match uh they will break up and i understand if you only consume dynamite that needs to be said and that is fine however you have dark and you have elevation and i'm watching those not not every single second every single week but i'm catching up recaps and things like that from other youtube channels like wrestle talk and things of that nature uh and where this is a little bit missing for me is you could have had SCU playing up this if we lose, we're breaking up thing to become the number one contenders. So you put them in a match on dark against Jurassic Express and they get a roll up win at the last second to win the match. Then they go up against Bear Country and they get, you know, uh, foot on the ropes, you know, make them heels if you want. But like they get that fight from behind. They barely get the victory, and then they get to be the number one contenders. And then you can have them still go on dynamite and say, like, hey, remember me? Because, uh, or remember us? Because this is our stipulation. But that story wasn't told on dark or elevation either. And I feel like those secondary stories, like SCU's is right now, that's the time to tell us this stuff. I agree. We yeah, don't need it well enough. We don't need Orange Cassidy in a four second match that doesn't serve anyone's purpose except where you add another win in his you know win loss record but i'll get to more of that point in a little bit later uh after the commercial break we get jade cargill doing a uh, a drive-by promo i'm calling them uh where she just says hey i'm that bitch someone she says i don't need a manager but we keep saying i don't need a manager it feels like a drunk person saying like i don't need a ride home Some manager is going to convince her that she needs a manager, and that's the storyline. And honestly, probably does. We've said like she's amazing, gonna like feels like a Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar type for the ladies uh, industry wide. Where like, Mm -hmm. oh, once a few things click, done. Like she'll be on the cover of you know what I mean. Like she might be the next Rock if if she if the certain few things click. But they have not clicked. So, you know what I mean? Like somebody who can maybe be like, hey, you, right here's where you should have said, you know, like when they're watching tape, be like, you know, when I was out here, here you should have said, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So maybe we'll see. 
But I don't think that's the narrative that's being told to us. At least that's not how I'm receiving these promos. The way I'm receiving these promos is Jade Cargill says, no manager is going to take my money. I'm the baddest bitch in AEW. And if that's the case, Matt Hardy. It, it totally could be right. And he keeps being featured on there. It's like him and Vicky Guerrero that keeps being uh, shown in the, in these uh, promo packages. And again, that's fine, but I guess it's not. like, if you're it's really, not but fine. if you're, well, I guess what I'm saying is like, if yeah. you're going to tell me I don't need a manager and like, you know, flex on me. Yeah. Okay. Cause well, but there's you keep so saying many, it, but right, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, too much, right? but, but like, Right. One on that. And then also, like, there's so many other wrestlers who don't have managers. So it's fine. <laughs> like, it's not like you need, like, it's not a requirement in AEW to have a manager. I know for a fact that 84.2% of the wrestlers on AEW do not have a manager. Facts. Facts. After the uh, fun little drive-by promo from Jade Cargill, we get into some classic AEW fun. Oh, good God, this warmed my heart. Just as I mentioned with uh, Darby Allen's uh, title match the previous week where it was him versus uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, we get a classic AEW match. I know they've only been in business for almost two years or not even that, but this is classic AEW. We get Penta Zero Mito versus Orange Cassidy. Ha! Look at these two fucking weirdos just fighting in a fucking ring. God bless America. This is what makes me love AEW. This was fun. This was fun. And yeah, the contrasting styles was amazing. The intensity and the, the full speed ahead of Penta El Zero Miedo uh, in with Orange Cassidy, who could give a fuck, was one of the best things ever, man. I loved it. And, and the way they started this match reminded me of, remember when you were playing like Raw versus SmackDown and to get a finisher, you had to taunt and like that mm-hmm. got your meter up. Yes. It was like they said, hey, we yes. both want to finish her. God, I forgot <laughs> about that. That's fucking great. That's exactly what they had to do. Like they both entered like a, a match and they didn't like buy enough credit, so they've got to like taunt each yeah, other. So they're just doing yeah. this shit the entire time so their meter can get a finisher. Yeah. It was so great. A highlight of the match too was the arm drag with the hands in the pockets. I mean, oh. that, even that even popped Tony Schiavone. That was awesome. That was so awesome. Even uh, I mentioned it on uh, our live uh, live tweet uh, at Table Show on Twitter. Uh, Pentagon or Penta, I don't know what the fuck that headdress was and all that, but that was fucking great, looking like a fashion forward icon. Like a roach, maybe? I don't know oh, what that was. Yeah, I don't know. Like the most expensive roach you've ever seen in your life. It was so fucking cool, and and the, even like I mentioned how they were doing their finisher or their their taunts to get to get a finisher. But even if you've never seen AEW and you're just checking it out for the first time, like that got over who the fuck these people are, right? A bully who has no fear. Fuck you. And then a guy that couldn't give a shit less. Hey, I'm going to beat you. We know that's right. And it's just perfect. Yeah. So this was fun shit. Orange Cassidy gets the victory uh, after Trent. Trent? Uh, rolls the microphone in and he gives him the orange punch with the it, mic. Another thing we missed about that too was so like when what Pitta took the um, what did he throw? Oh, he took the glove off when he was going to do the Zero mm-hmm. thing again. Threw it to Alex, whatever that guy's name is. He catches it but falls. And then when <laughs> when Orange Cassidy goes to throw his thing out to Trent, he just fucking like whizzes right by him and he's just like, <laughs> that was one of the best. 
You, I, you, I know they didn't plan that shit because you could not plan it as cool as that. That was so yeah. fun. Trent is so great. Yeah, he just was like, huh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I tried. It should have been here. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, bro. <laughs> should, give me a, give me a heads my... up. I didn't know this was coming. <laughs> Thought that was awesome. Thought it was great. Uh, so after Orange Cassidy gets the victory, we go backstage, and it is the DMD letting you know that she is actually that bitch and that she is the number one contender. She is ruling the world with her merchandise sales. She is ruling the world with the demographics. She should be a football coach. I want to run through a brick fucking wall after she talks. Like, I don't, like, I'm like, fuck you, DMD, let's go! <laughs> she's amazing. She's one of the best fucking promos in the business, bar not, like, period. She's fucking great. And I love that it's Tony Schiavone that does her interviews oh. because at the yeah. very end when they do the DMD, he does it with her because he's friends says, with do her. It. Well, she said, do it. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I thought Fucking that was great. just so great. Cause yeah, no one else can do that with the charm and also the like wussiness of a Tony Schiavone, right? Cause Tony Schiavone is not going to stand up to Britt Baker or anyone on the roster, but He's charming, and it's, oh, man, poor Tony. So you don't think, like, he's going to turn heel and join with him. He's just doing what he's told because he needs a paycheck. He's been doing this since the mid-'80s. God damn it. You know, I just – Tony Schiavone is a national treasure. He just needs to be hugged each and every week. Love that guy. He's the best. All right, then we get into the pinnacle and inner circle and this promo where everyone – Hit a grand slam. Everyone hit a grand slam in every at bat they were in the game. That's how awesome everyone did here. You're not kidding. Every single fucking person's promo. Even Tony Schiavone did great with his fucking parts. Everybody fucking hit, as you said, a grand slam fucking World Series winning home run. Each one of those promos alone in a vignette or in the ring, we would have been like, that's the fucking promo of the night. Any one of those alone. Any one of them alone, we would have said as a promo of the night. And they did eight of those fucking things. Yeah. I love that they didn't have fucking Hager and <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Protect him, right? right? We don't need to ruin that this. That was you the know? best. God, it was so great. And just started off, Spears just slapping the shit out of his hand. He's like, fuck this. We get it. You fucking called us into this match, and we're going to fucking kill you. Oh, and I love Sammy fucking Guevara looked like the baddest dude in the room. The fucking... Uh, FTR two, his promo made me also. I was like, "Oh shit!" I would have slapped him if I was one of them dudes, man. And that's what I love the most about this promo. Besides all of the promos, right? The the promos again were the highlight. But the thing that made this even better is that it ended with promos. So we still have the anticipation that these two teams, these two factions are going to go to hell and back in a fight that we've never seen before. And that's what made this promo so good because they didn't touch, right? When FTR2 is saying you need to tell your kids that daddy's not coming home, it didn't just start, uh, uh, and then we're all fighting, and then the security has to come, and it's just a you know a, a pull apart, and that's the end of the segment. It ended, you know, fast forward, to Jericho and MJF, and then the final word but then that was it. It was the like press conferences that you see 
uh, now more so than back then of boxing where they didn't touch and it was just shit talking. And in UFC and other MMA promotions where they just go like on Saturday night, or, you know, in this case on Wednesday night, you are going to feel all of the pain in the world. And that was just, and it was so personal. All of them mm-hmm. were personal. All of them were like, are these guys really mad at each other? Like, they found some way to bring up something real when they talked about He was like, you failed at your last job. He was like, mm-hmm. this guy's taking you down a dark or down. He's bringing you out into high water, and you're going to drown. I'll be the one fucking stepping on your head. Talking about the kids. I, all of it. And then even Ortiz telling him, like, hey, man, you know what they're fucking doing. You know what they're mm-hmm. fucking doing. Calm it down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just, God, it was great. I, I love the, like, you're going to be locked in with us. You ever been locked up? Motherfucker, we have. Like, oh, God, it was the best. Oh, was and the best. that's that's the great, that's one of the best counters you can have because FTR did paint a good picture where they said, like, we've come to terms that this could end we our career die. or, or <laughs> end our lives. Yeah. I prepared then, my family. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so the only way you can come back is, is exactly that. We're going to be in a cage. Hey, I know what you said. But have you ever actually been in a cage? Because I have. And then you go like, oh, shit. So, oh, shit. So did we just have the best, like, singular round of promos in pro wrestling history then? Because, I mean, that was eight promos. Feels like it. What, yeah. uh, what, seven? I don't think Ortiz really laid out a promo, right? No, but he just, he, he talked. But, but yeah, four guys really of the pinnacle, pro. three yeah. guys of the of the inner circle, all of them hitting the promo of the night. They were yeah. one through, well, Britt Baker had a pretty good one, yeah. but somewhere in there, they're in the top eight, if not the top seven. There might not even be that many promos on any show ever. Like That was fucking great. That was such yeah. a great segment. God, that was Yeah, great. and so it ends with MJF and Chris Jericho, which this whole feud is based around, and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. And MJF says a really very, almost like, I feel bad for you, Jericho, where it's like, thank you for all that you've done. It must be so tiring for you to carry this company uh, on your shoulders. So you know what? I'm going to kick your ass and I'll take your spot. And then Jericho coming back and saying like, oh, remember when you said uh, at 25 I was doing this? Well, you motherfucker, I was already selling out arenas in Japan and Mexico and Germany and all these places. You couldn't be half the man I was back then. And the summer of 69 was love and the summer of 2021 is going to be pain and violence and you're going to get summer early. Woo. Oh. Woo. I loved all of it. Oh, I'm so, so pumped for this match. I oh, am gonna too. It's going to, and it starts off with Sammy Guevara, oh, which yeah. instantly tells you they're not fucking around. It's not going to be body slams from Jake Hager or some like chin and locks. I, if it's going to be action. Like, if, if the inner circle wins, it'll be because he's the last one standing in the ring. But I think Pinnacle wins this. That's who you're going with. You're going Pinnacle. I think Pinnacle wins this. So let's let's have a quick conversation about this since it's not a preview, but it can do somewhat of a prediction. Uh, so you got Pinnacle. Now, do you think this is the blow off? Is this the end? Is this we we led to blood and guts? Pinnacle in your in your story wins. Does the pinnacle go now after think, no. the super elite? I think what may happen is you may get the blow off of inner circle versus pinnacle. You may not get the blow off of pinnacle versus Chris Jericho, but the inner circle may erode around inner circle to the point where Jericho has nothing left 
and the pinnacle still beating him down and he's losing it because he can't get over that hump he he basically casts everybody out because of his fucking annoyance and he can't you know what i mean they're like dude you're losing it man like it's over or, you know and they're like he's like no and he and whatever and maybe we get a change of jericho out of that he might take a break he could probably use a break at this point yeah i mean you know i i don't know i mean look maybe i'm wishful thinking in that but you know if the inner circle wins it's i the only thing that makes me think inner circle wins now is because of the way sammy guevara spoke and i could see him going end to end being the guy to fucking stand there and be like "Ah, i'm the fucking shit well and that would make sense from a storyline perspective because even chris jericho uh made reference to it where he said hey mjf you were such a dickhead you made sammy guevara quit you asshole and so that this is his return to action, and that's where he, all the spire is coming from, and you know things of that nature. So it would make sense if the inner circle wins. It's Sammy Guevara's the Iron Man. Hey, I'm now the Randy Orton. If this is evolution, I'm Randy Orton. Everyone else is just taking a back seat. I'm the superstar. Mm-hmm. I th- I think the Pinnacle has to win though. I don't think you can say brand new group. Wasn't this crazy? And we just lost, and now what's next? Like, I think MJF, for his character standpoint, has to stand on some type of, like, yeah, I'm the best. Don't you see who's around me? And they have to have some sort of winners, whether it's FTR as the tag champs or Sean Spears as the TNT champ, something like that, where he's like, yeah, this is the best fucking group. Look at the gold. And so... I'm going pinnacle as well, but I do love that theory that you have of Sammy Guevara is the all-star amongst everyone and he's going to prove it in this match. So we shall see, but I am so excited about it. Cannot wait for blood and guts next week. And it's on free television. Well, if you have uh, cable, it's free. You don't have to pay an extra pay-per-view price. So credit to them for doing this for us. After we get the inner circle and pinnacle promo, ah, I mean, does it get much better? We go right into Eddie Kingston. Mm. It's never a bad episode of Dynamite if Eddie Kingston is in at least one segment. And he was in this one. He was. And it's Michael Nakazawa sitting in the ring. And Kingston's like, we ain't doing this sports entertainment bullshit. Get the fuck up. I'm not doing this. You're a fucking idiot. I'm breaking your ankle. I'm breaking your ankle. (laughs) And he says, hey, uh, Omega, I'm going to break your guy's ankle. Uh, unless you give me uh, what I want. And then Kenny Omega's like, hey, you know what? He knew what he signed up for. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. And so he's like, really? Okay. And then Brian Cutler tries to make his way out because Omega says, like, I got another guy. Yeah. And Omega's crawling. And Omega, or not Omega, but Cutler's crawling. And Cutler's crawling because John Moxley kicked his ass. And so he chases Omega into the ring. John Moxley gets a rear naked choke on Kenny Omega makes him pass out and then they put Don Callis in that spot and oh does he just piss oh, his pants Don Callis is great I, God, I can't get over how much I love Don Callis when he's like on and he's just a shit bag and like he yeah. just plays it so so great and, and let me go back to a point I made earlier uh that I want to clarify so in kayfabe it makes a complete sense to me that everyone in that roster or on the AEW roster is going to kick the good brothers ask because they're taking their spot and they don't work here. Right. It's a different thing though, to not go after Don Callis because he's essentially just a manager for Kenny Omega. So Kenny Omega is going to be on the show regardless. 
all right, I guess fuck that guy. I don't like him, but Kenny Omega's our champion, so Kenny Omega has to be on the show for ratings and you know all the other stuff. So I understand why people wouldn't go after him, but I don't understand why people aren't going after the Good Brothers. So anyhow, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley say, hey, next week we want a match. We want your little driver over here and the champ against me and uh, John Moxley. And Don Callis, again, pisses himself and says, okay, okay, if you break his ankle, it's off, but okay. Which is a good point, because you could have done that. You could have said, oh, I got the match, Wop, break his ankle. Don Callis, being the smart heel manager, says, if you do that, the match is off, so let him go. And they do. And so now next week, on top of the Blood and Guts match, we have John Moxley and Eddie Kingston taking on Kenny Omega and, and the driver. I like this. This is good. Something tells me this is going to be bloody as fuck. Definitely could be. The, in, in kayfabe, the only thing that I thought was a little off is I understand we're going after Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega is the you know ultimate boss, and so that makes sense. However, if you could get any match from them when you have them in a vulnerable spot, why not go after the Young Bucks and the AEW Tag Team Championships? That's the only thing I was like, okay, I would have said yeah, the Young Bucks, though. His beef has been with Omega, though, right? He just thinks oh, Young I, Bucks yeah. are punks who, you know, like yeah. his beef has been Omega's been trying to do this. That's why he recruited the Young Bucks. He might still give the Young Bucks a good house your father, but yeah, he's after Omega. But you understand what I'm saying. Like, but Kingston you know, would have been like, yo, yo, dog, let's yeah. get those titles, man. Let's right. Go. I need the paycheck, homie. Yeah, exactly. Which, uh, side note, he kept on saying bro in this promo, and then on Twitter – he apologized for saying bro because he said that's some 1995 bullshit. Yeah. So that was pretty great. That's good. Love that. Uh, all right. So then after we get uh, all of that fun, then we get a commercial break and Tony Schiavone is backstage with Taz. And Taz says, hey, remember how this show kicked off? My guy, Brian Cage, we're the shit. Fuck everyone. And Christian Cage says, "Like, excuse me? What are you saying? And Christian Cage, who I... I said this again on our Twitter page at table show. AEW is so deep right now with talent and just stellar work from damn near every single person. Even if I don't like the young mix again, they're the tag champs. So they make sense for being on the show. They're not just taking up space to take up space, but they're so deep in their roster. I fucking forgot. Christian cage is on the team And cutting promos backstage just for the hell of it. Look, we're at nine promos now. I'm talking for the night that we're fucking great pro, best promos of the week. They, they fucking did a month worth of promos that would have been amazing in, in a fucking week, and it's great. It's fucking great. Yeah. So Christian Cage says, "Hey, your team Taz, uh, you're just sucking off their tit. Eventually, they're gonna kick you to the side. You used to be a badass. You're obviously not. He still is a badass." God damn it. Dude, Taz was Taz's promo was good too. Like yeah. Taz he told his part perfectly. Yeah. God, it's great. So now, again, going back to what we were talking about, how we kicked off the show, do we see somehow Christian Cage beats Brian Cage? And then Christian Cage is saying, like, I'm two and oh. I beat Frankie Kazarian. I beat the guy who beat the number one contender. Maybe I'm top dog in this company. Give me that shit. Where does he, you know, find his place in, in the AEW roster? So very interesting stuff coming up. I like it. Uh, again, we're not beat over the head with these like he's a bad guy, he's a good guy, <laughs> number one. Number it's it's all mm-hmm. you can interpret it, but it all makes sense. Love it, love it, love it. 
Now let's get into some women's action. We had Chris Statlander making her return to the ring, also making her return to the ring. Penelope Ford, after she had some type of weird injury, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but both ladies here making their return to the ring, and this was fun. I thought it was great. Oh, I do. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was awesome, just the the um, the flow of the show, where you have two legends like Christian and Taz cutting a promo, and then you follow it up with an alien. Mm-hmm. I just think that's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just well, fun. Yeah, it is fun. Um, and, and Chris Statlander is, every time I see her, I'm like, God, that's another one where, man, if a few things click, stardom bound, because mm-hmm. she's just athletically gifted, um, just has charisma when she walks on the stage. I think she's close, right? And one of those where, like, man, you put one well, of I these think, things in, and, and you're gonna be you're gonna be hot shit. Yeah, and I think you know her association with the best friends is gonna really work out to her advantage because she can do so much fun stuff. She can be the weird alien, and Chuck Taylor can do the like, hey, the alien says she's gonna kick your ass, right? Oh, can you imagine she, some of their crossover fun times with the Dark Order and them in the back? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, and then, again, you could do Chris Statlander, Orange Cassidy, maybe have, like, a boyfriend-girlfriend kind of flirtation going and how weird that would be with a guy who doesn't give a shit and an alien, you know? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. there's so many possibilities with that. So I think it's going to benefit her. Uh, And then on the other end, Penelope Ford, she does come out on the losing end here, but I thought she looked good. And then let's fast forward a little bit. So Chris Statlander gets the victory. And we get Kip Sabian walking backstage and oh, Jiminy of fuck. We got Psycho Miro, who I think we've all been waiting for. And Psycho Miro is in AEW. So he beats the fucking skin off of uh, what's his ass. Throws Sabian, him up into yeah. the, yeah, Sabian, whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter now because he's going to do this to everyone. Beat his name off him. <laughs> Beat his name off him, god damn it. Uh, he throws Sabian into the to the lockers, and then he takes his hand and shuts his hand into the door and then goes like, it's okay. It's yeah. okay now. Mm. What the fuck is Yeah, uh, then he like hugs him and he's like, good talk. Good talk. Yeah. yeah. Good it's talk okay when he now. broke his fucking arm. <laughs> oh, that was the well, best. Well, he said it. He goes, it's okay now. So it's like. Sabian had to pay this debt to get back into the good graces of Nero, which if that's the case, what is everyone in for? Yeah. Uh, What about the people who aren't trying to get the good graces or he's not trying to get them in in your good graces? If he broke the arm of somebody he loves. Yeah. What is he going to do to someone he doesn't like? What's he going to do to you? Yeah. Uh, Foreshadowing here. I know we're going to get to the main event a little bit, but, you know, a psycho Miro and a psychotic Darby Allen. That would be interesting to me. I like that. Just going to say that out loud. I like that idea. All right, so now let's get back to the action. Uh, after Chris Statlander gets her uh, victory, and then, again, I, I jumped around a little bit. Uh, Kip Sabian gets beat up by Miro, but we get back into the ring. It's the Nightmare Express. It's uh, Quick Trip Marshall, uh, uh, Camarado, and then uh, Bailey's ex-fiance uh, taking on old guys. And then the athletic uh, Lee Johnson. Uh, yeah, here, here's this. I, I talked about how dark some things need to happen on dark. This needed to happen on dark. It was not bad. Yeah, it yeah. was fine. I agree. It, it, it really. 
there's not a whole lot of storytelling going on. This is what I'm talking about. This is just brawling every time these two groups get near each other. Now, Cody snuck onto the bus that they stole and was hiding for him instead of just going out and fighting when the fight was happening. So, mm -hmm. what's up with that, Cody? But, um, yes, Quad Track Marshall did his part. For We're going to give him credit. You know, our, our biggest fan, Quad uh, Quality Time Marshall. Um, yes. But, again, you know, I mean, they're fighting up on the bus. No, all that's cool. You know, sure. But, like, it's yeah. just, it, there's still not a whole lot of, like, you jumped into these cool fighting things, but you never gave me a reason to really care why you're fighting. Like, again, you're like, I'm leaving the, you know, you only once talked about Cody Rhodes holding you down. Only once. And ever since then, that's the last we've heard about. Now it's just you're an asshole. So. Right. Yeah. And, and this would have, what I mean by it should have taken place on darker elevation. I think elevation is their more. Uh, storyline driven show i think dark is still more just for like the first time guys uh, and girls but if i told you hey you need to watch elevation cody gives quadriceps and triceps a figure four on top of a bus you're gonna at least tune into that right like that's what i'm saying this moment didn't necessarily move the needle on dynamite because again blood and guts promo was off the chain uh hangman and brian cage was out off the charts and so this wasn't needed, so you could have done this to elevate, pun intended, another show. And so that's where I think, again, I love AEW. They're the great, awesome, love it. But we could have done something different here. We could have maybe had Miro in a match, and then Miro brings out Kip Sabian and give Miro a match to show that how psychotic he is. And then you could have put Cody in this uh, quads and tits on dark or elevation, and then you do that. Cutie Marshall cutie marshall thanks pal love you man hey love we're you, gonna get to you but uh, man, you know i know we keep forgetting man and every well, week we like, started late i think he's still on hold let me tell him well we started late uh the, the nfl draft is going on right now so we had to check out who the first overall pick was shout out to our good friend tony khan for making that pick it looked like because he was in the war room uh, clicking and dialing all the knobs there to get justin lawrence as the first overall pick oh, so we're a little bit late yeah, hey, cutie, we'll, we'll get you I next just, week. I just so sent him the sorry text, again. told him, like, hey, man, sorry. I know you're waiting on hold, but we can't get yeah. to you. We've got three tables to get to again. More on that later. That's how you, the fan, uh, fan, it may be apt, how you, the fans, can <laughs> interact with us on the show with Twitter. But, cutie, we love you. We're going to get to you. I promise. I'm sorry we for you know, we didn't forget you, but we just, we can't squeeze you in. We can never it's forget you, cutie. Time. Time. Look, quality no time. time cutie you yeah, know I'm quality time got no time you know what i'm talking about cutie. uh love you cutie so with the so with this match though the the factory wins because anthony agogo getting over this punch to the gut which i do like credit to billy gunn for having the ribs taped up going into this match so i like that that's how you get a move over is you have someone else say like fuck i'm still yeah i'm still goddamn hurt look that can that is gonna happen once Darby Allen or one of these psychotic, you know, push it to the limit kind of wrestlers, Joey Janela is going to take a real fucking shot to a rib from a medalist, an Olympic medalist, and it ain't going to feel good. So uh, let's move on now. We get right into the main event. Main event. For your TNT championship, mm -hmm. it is champion Darby Allen taking on from the Dark Order 10. Now, before this, we had a very emotional 
promo from Tin talking about the influence that Brody Lee had on his career, how awesome having the TNT championship would be because Brody Lee had that championship and you know, all of the things that that signifies. This was a good match. I really would have hoped going into it that Tin would have won. He did not. Darby yeah. Allen retains. But what did you think of the main event? Yeah, that's what's so like. There is that line, right? We say WWE is too scripted. They have too much oversight. Too many people telling them exactly what step to take and where. AEW does the flip side, it sounds like, and they say, hey, we're going to let these guys come up with the, what they want to do, right? We're going to be obviously guys and say, hey, we can't. We got to book this and book that. But, like, we'll let them come up with their promos and we'll let them say what they're going to say, which is great. And you're going to run into – WWE would not have scripted 10 time to have an amazing promo. So we got an amazing promo out of 10. However, it's an amazing promo that leads nowhere because 10 was booked to lose the fucking match. So like mm -hmm. in WWE or NXT, they would have been like, all right, let's hear your promo. And it was said that and they would have been like, that's fucking good, but we need to save that mm -hmm. for something that's going to fucking hit. Right. <laughs> now I will say from the grizzled, you know, asshole wrestling fan like myself, it did make me think like, oh shit, are we are we pulling the trigger yeah. on ten? Oh yeah. So I will and say this that. This is hindsight what I'm saying. Because right. yeah, you're right. Because look, I mean, we know they're behind Darby Allen, but mm -hmm. we know they've been behind the Dark Order too, and we know they like this guy. So may you know you never know when they're like, Hey, Darby's got a skateboarding competition coming up let's get the dark order uh, you know little thing give 10 a shot like you know i mean you never know that so yes i mean i legitimately oh. thought there was a chance don't get me wrong yeah and and you know god knows darby allen probably has a torn achilles or something and really can't wrestle for too much longer so get the belt off him for that reason uh but i thought it was i thought it was it was really interesting how darby allen was in this match because he was babyface, 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 until he wasn't babyface. To me, mm. one of the most heel things you can do is go after a masked wrestler's mask. That is like the ultimate sign of like, okay, what the fuck? You're mm. breaking protocol here. And when he was caught in that, I believe it was a rear naked choke or just a sleeper, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, something like and that. And then yeah. he starts, he starts clawing at that mask a mask that we were told earlier is so important to him because Brody lee gave it to him that made me go like okay so what are we doing with darby are we because i thought this was maybe the next chapter of we darby have... allen wants to keep the championship so here's the crux of that is some of that was real right if, if brody really gave him that mask he really ripped that mask so now i don't know if like in real life preston vance or whatever i think that's his mm -hmm. name yeah uh, it's kind of like well fuck now I gotta get a new mask, <laughs> like you know, yeah. like shit. Which again, it's wrestling; it's gonna happen. How could he know? You know, what I mean. But I would hope that the mask that Brody Lee gave him is somewhere in a more special place, not just actually being used each time. I would hope that he's using a yeah. Anyhow, that's just my hope. But yeah, if that's the case, ooh, again, maybe don't do look, that spot. Everybody said something that's sentimental at some point that they lost or broken. I mean, and right. that's a thing. I mean, it's it's never about the thing, of course. But right, yeah. But credit to AEW again here going with the young talent in your main event spot because again you could have easily pushed the pinnacle uh inner circle to the final main spot and said hey yeah. aren't you ready for next week but they went with the young talent with 10 darby well, i like this too because you remember when tna made the legends title mm -hmm. and it was these old guys like i like the tnt title is not the old guys right because they're like these are world title level guys but we can't do the world title right now, so here you go. WWE's 
notorious for this with their U.S. and IC titles, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we would love to give you a world title run, but we have 40 guys. Here, here's a run with this. Um, but then it buries the the young guys, like you're saying. This doesn't do that. And so much that they're putting in the main event, because it is. It's We're on TNT. This is the TNT championship. All of it makes sense. Feels good. But we know the real champion is the world champion, but we don't see him wrestling every night. Yeah. Uh, God, WWE was bad for that for a long time, too. World championship match every Raw. Well, nobody's, you know, you know, we know we know you're not giving that title up, right? So, right. yeah, I love that they do this, and this match was great. I love the unique way that Darby got the win. That choke from behind, and still the, like, fuck, what am I going to do? Slam back and just try to hold him down, right? And it worked. Mm-hmm. It was great. I loved it. It did. And then post-match, we had uh, All Ego and Scorpio Sky attack Darby Allen and Sting. And credit to Sting, credit to Sting for this reason. I felt like when he came in, especially with all the snow and pomp and circumstances, that he was going to be feuding with Kenny Omega three weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? And what he has done is essentially said, like, if you're tuning in for me, thank you so much. But check out this guy. Check out these guys. And I I do applaud him for understanding his position of who he is in the business and in pro wrestling and saying, I'm going to pay it forward and you're going to see other people. And so I do appreciate that he's selling a a heel hook from Ethan, uh, from all ego there. And Scorpio sky, I think is making Darby Allen, you know, watch it. I thought that was really good. I'm confused though, Tim, and maybe you can help me out here. I'm confused on the motives of Lance Archer. And maybe I should be confused, but you have Sting and Darby Allen just, you know, getting, uh, you know, bent over and shown the 50 states by Scorpio Sky and All Ego here. And Lance Archer makes the, the save. And Jake the Snake. It's not even that Lance Archer is like disobeying Jake the Snake. They're both coming out. So what do you make of this? Your guess is as good as mine. I know. Like I, I know. I th- we tried to say this was. Oh, he's trying to protect Sting because he wants Sting at his best, but they're not getting there. So I don't know what to do with this now. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, because you could go a couple different routes. You could say, "Hey, Lance Archer is trying to keep Sting healthy because eventually he wants to take Sting out," but we're not getting there. Then you could also say. Hey, Lance Archer is going to save Sting because a couple weeks ago when Sting said that Lance Archer is that guy, maybe Lance Archer is saying, like, thanks for believing in me. I'm going to keep you safe. But then that wouldn't mean Jake the Snake would come out. That Jake the Snake is coming out would indicate that they're both behind some type of motive to keep these two guys, you know, in one piece. So I don't know what that reason is. And I don't think we've been told that. So at the end of this show, I would have done fade to black. You have Sting, you know, screaming for his life. Darby Allen is getting the the eyes wide shut thing. Or what was that Sandra Bullock movie where, you know, the people had to look at the sun. Remember that uh, with the birds and shit there? I don't fucking remember the movie. We don't fact check. But yeah, you're, you're, you're pushing Darby Allen's eyes like this to make him watch thing. And you fade to black and say like, Ethan and Scorpio are going to kick ass moving forward. I would have done that. 
Yeah, I just, again, that tag team pairing of Oligo Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky was out of nowhere. It's into a tag team division that's flooded. And now they're not even really going after tag teams. So, like, what in the fuck was the point of this? Like, are these guys just buddies and they wanted to work together, I guess? Well, so they did a promo where they said, like, hey, we're tired of being held back, which makes sense for Scorpio Sky. But Ethan Page, it does not make sense for at all. You just showed up. You've been there for a cup of coffee. They gave you a fucking big spot in the match before you even fucking walked in the building. You haven't been holding down, you asshole. The only person that held you down was the person who won the match. Now you teamed up with them fuck and so <laughs> yes logically it does not make sense <laughs> fucking but it also doesn't make bitch. sense <laughs> <laughs> it also doesn't make sense for scorpio sky to say hey i came in here with scu we won the tag titles that was fun now it's time for me to be my own guy i'm gonna grab the brass ring that doesn't work out so you know what i'm gonna do go back to old yeller go back to old faithful here and i'm going back to a tag team and it seems to me just watching as a uh, you know critical wrestling fan that they're pushing Ethan Page versus Scorpio or versus uh, Darby Allen, not Scorpio Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen, and that means, hey man, you just got fucking hoodwinked hey, yep. by your pal over here. So mm. what the fuck is that about? The brass ring doing him a lot of good, and <laughs> none, <laughs> none at all. Let's not do that match again. But that was AEW Dynamite. Overall, thought it was another spectacular show. As I mentioned, you're never going to say, or I'm never going to say, unless they truly shit the bed or shit in the ring legitimately, that any AEW Dynamite episode that has Eddie Kingston is a bad episode, because at least that's going to be great. And this had more than just Eddie Kingston. It had the promo from the Pinnacle and Inner Circle. It had Britt Baker. It had an awesome uh, cage versus page, but not in a cage match. All of it was so good. Christian Cage, Taz, Bird Cages, all of it. So fucking good. Well, then let's move into the other side of the pro wrestling world, the WWE NXT world. And, uh, I mean, we're going to come out and say it. Raw was really fucking bad. You don't even watch it anymore. Nope. Hey, here's the thing. I don't hate watch things anymore because I'm happy with my life and I do meditation. Remember Calm? It makes me feel good. So I'm not going to do things that don't make me feel good. And here's a fun fact. Raw is miserable. And I'm not going to fucking watch it until I'm told that something's great. I heard about RK Bro. That's fun. However, I know that Riddle already beat Randy Orton. So then Randy Orton isn't going to like that. And so in two to three weeks, we're going to get fucking Randy Orton turns on Matt Riddle. (laughs) Everything else is fucking garbage. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, (laughs) Well, we'll start because, again, we record on Thursdays. This is a Thursday, so SmackDown will happen tomorrow. But last week's SmackDown happened. The only thing I really took from it was, um, you know, we're going to get Reigns and Daniel Bryan, I guess. So that's actually interesting. And by the way, I did do a quick fact check. Bird Box was the movie I was thinking about. Oh, right, right. That's the one we should see, right? Right. Well, no, they couldn't. They shouldn't see. Right. They shouldn't see. Right. Right, and that's when the guy was making the woman look at the fucking sun because apparently the sun is what killed you or whatever. That's the scene I was talking about with Scorpio Sky and Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I digress. Back to this. This is kind of interesting because Daniel Bryan, I don't know if he's working us here, but he's doing a lot of promos where he's talking about Kenny Omega. He's talking about how he felt weird wrestling in WrestleMania, didn't feel like it should have been 
a thing he was doing. He's also alluded to this might be the end of his career. So do we put the feather in the cap of Roman Reigns and say he ended the career of Daniel Bryan? I feel like Daniel Bryan's the kind of guy who would, to nearly any wrestler, say, yeah, I'll put you over on my way out and make you look like a million bucks, but especially a guy like Roman Reigns who could stand to actually take that and be a top guy. I mean, we could argue Roman Reigns might be the top guy in the industry just based on where he's at, Um, but in the eyes of actually the people, I mean, like, a great program with Daniel Bryan to send Daniel Bryan on his way could be, but you would think Daniel Bryan goes out at a major event, don't you? No, because Daniel Bryan's fucking weird. Uh, you know, the, the that's right. He's that, real fucking weird. Yeah. You know, the book of his that you've had for seven years. Uh, thanks for reading that. Uh, <laughs> is it a little, Oh yeah. I got to get you that back. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Did I sell that thing? I don't know. Seems like the t-shirts that are. Seems like the t-shirts are. I should just go on Amazon and send you a new one, <laughs> just like they haven't delivered. <laughs> no, so uh, Daniel Bryan's fucking weird. So him ending it on a random episode of SmackDown would not shock me. Here's the other aspect of the story that I find interesting: is it's not centered around Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan. Going into this whole thing, it was Roman Reigns and Edge, and then Daniel Bryan. And then it was after that, Roman Reigns and Cesaro, but then Daniel Bryan. And now it's Roman Reigns and uh, Daniel Bryan, but then there's Cesaro. So there's a lot of extra strings mm-hmm. around this this story. Yeah. Where, where do you think Cesaro falls in this? Yeah, it's interesting, this whole Cesaro-Seth Rollins angle, they keep playing with it. And, and yeah, the Cesaro, I just... You know, they sent Daniel Bryan out to do a lot of us talking. And I think, I mean, we may see a time and we may see a day where Cesaro has that title over his shoulder. We may see it, right? I mean, we saw it with Jack fucking Swagger. Mm -hmm. But he's not, he has still never connected the thing where people are like, fuck yeah, Cesaro's my like guy of guys. Like, I think we're all like, he's amazing. He's a fucking superstar athlete. He can do anything in that ring. He can fucking swing, whatever. He speaks six fucking languages. Like, he's obviously super smart. But when he comes out, we're kind of like, yeah. Like, nobody's like, oh, I can't believe you did that to Cesaro. I want you to die. Right? Like, it just doesn't. He hasn't connected that way. And so I just don't know if that's a charisma thing, that one of those unwritten things that you just can't train. I think that's what it is. I know that we've told. I know that we've been told that Cesaro speaks six different languages. Tim, I swear on everything good in my life. If you were to play an audio clip of his voice, I don't know if I could tell you that that was Cesaro. I'm not even sure what the motherfucker sounds like, and he's been in WWE for ten years. He's never said one thing of interest in in his entire run. So that's one. Two, yeah, he does all the amazing things in the ring, but Stone Cold towards the end of his career was selling out arenas everywhere, and all he was doing was punches and kicks. So maybe the moves don't fucking really matter. The the talking and the catchphrases and all the other shit does. That's, again, where Tim and I come from from a pro wrestling standpoint. But No, I think this is, it's not, this is not, look, I know everybody has their opinion, but in a real fucking setting where shit matters, if we had a difference of opinion and one of us had to, like, we had to go with a decision... It's the backup and it's the evidence that matters. This is one of our key points of evidence. Virtually nobody can do what Cesaro can do in that ring. 
nobody gives a fuck about Cesaro because moves don't matter. Like, like, God damn. Now, don't get me wrong. That swing is awesome, but it's not getting him any fucking world titles. It's not getting us to be like, I wonder what happens to Cesaro next. It is the fucking stories. Moves don't matter. Yeah, the only thing I can think of for this storyline is Roman Reigns. I could see them doing this. This is my prediction as we record on the Thursday before SmackDown. My prediction is Roman Reigns does beat Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan has to leave SmackDown. But Daniel Bryan joins as the uh, advocate like Paul Heyman for Cesaro. Now you have your mouthpiece for Cesaro. So you don't have to put all this pressure on him to cut great promos. Cause Daniel Bryan can do that for you. And then once Roman Reigns conquers Cesaro from however he does it, then we get Daniel Bryan comes back into the ring, Daniel Bryan Cesaro. Now that might be the end of Daniel Bryan by that time, but I think that's how we're going to get Daniel Bryan still on our television. And then maybe like you said, at a SummerSlam, WrestleMania next year, whatever it is, then we get the big blow off match where Daniel Bryan leaves. That's what I predict. Yeah. Um, okay. Raw. Braun Strowman is in the WrestleMania backlash world title match. And fuck that name. WrestleMania's backlash. WrestleMania backlash. Go fuck yourself by a, fucking rooster that shit is stupid as fuck it's an interesting way to fuck yourself well do it i'm gonna write this down whoever i'm gonna gonna try look this up i'm gonna look this up later (laughs) fact check that one you motherfuckers i'm gonna make sure i put on a a vpn first before (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're doing anything on this if you do anything that we recommend on this show first do it through a vpn vpn Um, onion browser do a couple layers of vpn if you can right like really get deep That's yeah, you probably saying. should. <laughs> Name your sex tape. Hey, hey yo. So, hey yo. Uh, Braun Strowman. Well, it, it, here's where I want to make another clarifying point on that. Great Collie fucking sucks. Like moves matter to a certain extent. You can't be walking around with two left feet and broken legs and think you're gonna get over. Fuck that shit. It moves. It matters to a certain extent. But even the greatest technical wrestler of all time, Bret Hart who did, was not a good talker, right? Yep. At least he had catchphrases. Tell me Cesaro's catchphrase. Can I? You can't. <laughs> Can I challenge this narrative, too, that Bret Hart was the greatest technical in-ring well, wrestler we've ever fucking seen in my life? I, yeah, I know. Look. look mm, fucking Dean Malenko was better. Fucking, like, I, Bret Hart is a solid top 35 dude in every aspect of his game, and he's fucking acted like he's top five everywhere he went. Top 35? <laughs> fucking serious. Like, I don't... Somewhere solidly in the top 35, but that top five's a fucking stretch, Brent. <laughs> Damn. That's a good point. I like it. I like it. But, but what's my point? He had a catchphrase, right? We could all say the fucking catchphrase. Cesaro's catchphrase is what? This? That's Bret Hart didn't even know how to hit a catchphrase quick. That fucking thing was so long. <laughs> had to fucking turn the page to finish his fucking catchphrase. <laughs> had to take a drink of water. <laughs> the best there is. The best there was. The best there ever the best might there ever possibly was. could be. <laughs> In my brain. 
Anyhow, uh, Braun Strowman. Wow, man. What a disappointment. Braun Strowman set a record that nobody in WCW has ever done, WWE has ever done, WWF has ever done, ECW has ever done. On Raw, what'd he do? Uh, He had the highest and lowest rated segment at the same time. (laughs) He wrestled in a singles, a tag team, and a handicap match all in the same show. He wrestled three times? He wrestled three fucking times. Now, I want to talk about Braun Strowman. This is the best Braun Strowman I think we've ever seen. So he's sitting there. He's pumping iron. Fucking MVP kind of walks up behind him to fucking... They'll be like, I know what you're trying to do by getting this match. And he doesn't even, like, see MVP. He's just like, talk. You know what I mean? And MVP's like, all right, fine, fuck it, whatever. And then, like, he kind of gives him, like, a little bit of, you know, fuck off. And then <laughs> Braun Strowman just kind of turns and looks at him. He's like, hey. And I, I'm paraphrasing, whatever. But he's like, you and I both fucking know what the fuck will go down here. So watch your fucking tone, right? Wildly paraphrasing. But it was like yeah. a... Whoa, it was, that, that's the Braun Strowman it's supposed to be. Because it's like, if he ever says that to anybody, you're like, okay, sorry. And to credit, MVP's kind of like, you could tell MVP was like, this guy's going to kick my ass, but I've got to play it cool, right? And he's like, all right, well, tough guy, you know what I mean? Like, fucking, you know, and did his thing. I thought that was it was best, but yeah, he wrestled three fucking matches now. I don't know what their travel rules are. I don't know what their COVID rules are now, but, like, they're going to be testing live shows, I hear. They did a live show. I can't imagine they're having, like, too much problem getting people on site unless they just keep having issues with COVID, which, again, maybe you guys shouldn't have kept fucking doing shows this whole time then. If you can't keep – but Braun Strowman's got to wrestle three fucking matches. Um, You know, I don't know. I I still don't understand why he's dressed like a fucking Marine, and I don't – Yeah. But Braun Strowman should be a guy that's running every show. Should have the guy – you know, should have the – promos to make you be like fuck this guy's intense and he yeah. could be getting there it's a slow learning process for him it seems but like i don't know why they're forcing this into this match i mean it, it maybe it's better than just rerun of the wrestlemania match but but then why are we call it wrestlemania's backlash uh, anyhow um I, I agree with you i think braun Strowman has improved his skill set since he's been in wwe from day one to day now whatever that that day is right however i don't think this is the best braun Strowman we've ever seen i think the i'm flipping ambulances and i'm fucking saying i'm not finished with you roman reigns feud is still the best braun Strowman. and this is the thing that is not hard to replicate with anyone else roman reigns in that feud didn't reinvent the wheel he just got his ass kicked a lot that's sometimes all you need to do with Braun Strowman is just get your ass kicked a lot. And I don't think he needs to necessarily go back to being a heel because just like Stone Cold, that anti-hero, man, wasn't it fun to blow up a fucking bus or, you know, fill a, a Corvette with concrete, you know, those kind of antics. That's fun. And so people would buy into Braun Strowman flipping more things over and things of that nature. But let's get him some, like, rampage oh my god this tornado of fury is going through wwe instead of i'm mad once and then i lost or i'm mad once and i won and then i'm doing it again but then like it's too many start and stops with this fucking guy either turn him into something completely different or put this is the thing 
pedal to the metal. He had one of the best, you know, showings he's had. But I, they, I don't think they're going to have him beat Bobby Lashley or anybody beat Bobby Lashley for that title at WrestleMania Backlash. Nor fucking should they. So, like, why now? Why now? And why in the world? Like, it's fine if he wants to do this and and display, like, I'm fucking don't fuck with me now. But why instantly into the fucking world title match? Build it. Two more pay-per-views go by, and you could have had eight weeks of us being like, Braun Strowman's ready to fucking kill somebody. Well, and the other other thing that I've noticed from WWE, because, again, I stopped this past Monday. I had a clarification through my own self-reflection that I don't need to be watching programming that I don't enjoy, and I don't enjoy Raw, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, However, I was watching before that, right? And the thing that I've noticed is just they cannot tell a story that doesn't involve a title anymore there's what's what is the most interesting story that doesn't involve a title in wwe for you oh currently going now currently going now even let's even take wrestlemania into account the any of those matches that did not involve a title what was the most interesting I mean, the only ti- thing right now and we'll talk about here is this rk bro thing like the current thing right now that's going that doesn't have a title is probably this rk bro but it's going to be but that's not something that's going to be mesmerizing it's going to be mildly amusing and entertaining and that's the most interesting thing is something oh. that should be mid-card mm-hmm. the, you know what this screams hmm. you know what this screams team hell no grizzled veteran from the attitude era or you know in this case aggression era ruthless aggression era with upstart indie darling which daniel bryan was and matt riddle was for a second now i know uh it's soured a little bit with some real life allegations which again allegations and whatever we can talk about that later anyhow but this just screams i'm the veteran, I don't like things. Well, I'm funny and wacky. And <laughs> oh, this is Booker T. Goldust. This is oh yeah, Booker T. This Goldust. Is who, team this Hell is who? This is Kane. Dean, yeah, Daniel Bryan. This is Kane. Big Show RVD. Jericho to start. Like this yeah. is you know, well, Big yeah. Show Jericho is a little different, but yeah, Kane RVD is a good one. Yeah, yeah, Kane X Pac. A lot of Kane. <laughs> yeah, RK Bro. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, um, and the uh, the only thing on Raw. Okay, so I like that Sonya Deville brings in Charlotte against Adam Pierce's wishes, and there's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing to me here? I'm the boss. Like, oh, really? Because they didn't say I report to you, right? Like, that kind of stuff could be fun, but they spent a lot of time telling me Charlotte Flair was suspended. But if you wrestle on Raw, and you're on the next Raw, you didn't get fucking suspended in my eyes. I mean, right? Right? Like, you didn't get fucking suspended. You can say you were suspended, but, like, if if I'm a football player and I get suspended for one game, if I get suspended indefinitely, but I play the next game, I did not get suspended. I mean, like, I know it may be on record, but that didn't really fucking happen. So what are we doing? They couldn't even go one week. They couldn't even go one week without that, Charlotte. That's, it's as bad as like when they did the CM Punk, like I'm leaving with the title. Three weeks later, I'm here with the title yeah. on the line. I, Fox. Yeah. Because you could have even 
if you wanted to have her on television, you could have still suspended her. Have her meet and had her on, Or have her do a paid ad. This is a paid ad on behalf of the Flair family. Charlotte is going to clear her name and fucking done a promo that way. God damn, that's so much better than what they... I hate the storytelling in WWE. You know, I hate the Young Bucks. Again, this is all sports hate for new listeners here. I don't hate anything. This is what I'm but saying. But the, they need to go not even the hire. Young Bucks are. When I say they need to hire those reality TV show writers, right? From your challenges, your big brothers, and stuff. This is a storyline to why. Also, go find your fucking. What are the other shows? The Walking Deads, the fucking. All the other things that people are into the whole like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Because Charlotte Flair is the queen. Why does she not have fucking loyal subjects that are helping her get back onto raw and it turns out sonya deville is one of her loyal fucking subjects like it doesn't even have to be said that way right like you don't have to use the cliche fucking you know Mm -hmm. old english thing but like that's the concept she has people who view her as our queen and she's responsible for us and we need her on the show or else people aren't going to watch and then i won't get my title shot because people are going to stop watching she brainwashes these folks into being the queen, right? They didn't do any of that. None of it. She just says she's the queen because, you know, Flair. But Flair yeah. was never a king, so why the fuck are you the queen? Like, I hate it. I fucking hate the nonsense, no logic bullshit that they do. Yeah. Yeah, and why isn't King Corbin helping you? Anyhow, that's going down a different uh, road. I mean, okay, <laughs> sure. but and that but aside, yeah. but, like, there's never well, been even- royalty in your, you say you're the queen because of your bloodline, right? That's kind of the genesis of where they came up with that. But like, I thought it was because she's from the Queen City. Is that no? what it is? I don't know. And Charlotte's the Queen City, so maybe. But that's but the still, Queen City. That's not the Queen. And is she really from there, or is that yeah. because of Ric Flair is from there? So like, I yeah. Anyhow, again, you're not the Queen if you're not doing Queen things. Well, and even to go a little bit more so. Uh, like if you ran with my idea of doing a paid ad, well, if you're the daughter of Ric Flair, you must be taken care of, right? And you must have money. So why wouldn't you be able to buy an ad and say, Hey, I'm taking over this program. I bought this from Vince and I'm here to tell you that I'm clearing my name, Adam Pierce. Okay. So they're like, all right, we'll be back. We're going to come back to this match right after this break. And then it just fades back. And then Charlotte Flair comes on. She's like, Oh, why are you seeing me? Mm-hmm. I thought I was suspended. Yep. I'm a flare. Nobody stops a flare. Right? Like, I, when a flare wants to go somewhere, a flare goes that where. Right? Like, I mean, just fucking. Yeah. Just That's all you have to do. You have to say, you can't fucking stop me from being on Raw. And have that be the story. Have that be the battle. But this it was. Just, yep. Makes this, no great. Sense. If you're going to use this. To begin a war between Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce is one thing, but that's not what's happening, it seems like. It seems like they're going to hint at that, and they're going to have tension, but it's not going to be a focal point storyline. And it could be, it should be. I don't know. And and who is Charlotte even feuding with? The bad girl, uh, Rhea Ripley? And what is all this for? That's what I mean. Like, I, I get, title? That's what she's saying? Again, can you tell a story without a title? And Rhea fucking Ripley in a triple threat. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you guys to go listen to another podcast because we do a podcast. But if you've heard the busted open radio, Dave LaGreca goes, 
on one of the biggest and they talk about him and Bully Ray talk about this a whole lot, but like he goes on one of the greatest rants that's that Warren's listening to about how bad Raw was this week. But at one point he says, What am I doing with my life? It's great. <laughs> it's great. Now, Bully Ray kind of gets into this idea of and and Bully Ray thinks a lot like we do, right? He wants the logic, he wants to kind of step by step be like, why would this happen? She's in a triple threat. First of all, is she heel or baby face? Now you've got her with the heels, but yet she's smiling all the fucking time, and we thought we cheered for her when she won the title. But why is she hitting her finisher, standing up, and making a tag for Nia Jax to fucking make the pin? Like, Is that what happened? Yeah. Was this to get Nia Jax over? She hits her finisher, Mm -hmm. immediately stands up and tags Nia Jax, who comes in and does one awkward leg drop and pins and gets the win and stands there with her hand raised. Your world fucking champion hit her finisher and didn't even try to go for a cover, tagged someone else. Well, does like she go after someone? Like, does she hit her finisher and go after? I don't know. No, who she literally like it was a triple threat. It was her and Nia and Shayna versus oh a six woman tag. You mean? Yeah, it was a six woman tag versus oh. um fucking I think it was Mandy and Dana and fucking I don't know who the who the fuck I don't even know at this point. <laughs> but like, oh and Oscar and Oscar. okay, uh-huh. and so she fucking gets her, does her fucking finisher whatever that is, slams him down, stands up, tags. To Nia, who's like holding out tags. Nia comes in, literally bounces off the ropes, does a leg drop, and gets the pin. And Bully was like, Why in the fuck would you already made her dead on arrival? And now, like, how is she supposed to recover from this? Like, why do we give a fuck? Your world champion is simping out to somebody else. Like, you. I don't know, Tim. I don't know, man. It's It's a miserable three-hour experience and i'm just not gonna do it now look we do a podcast i will keep up with storylines because obviously when we get to the summer slams and stuff i will be a well-informed podcast host i promise you that to the listeners however i would encourage you also to if you don't like it you don't need to watch it youtube can catch you up pretty quick on the storylines yeah they well to to their detriment they do such an amazing promo package before each match that you damn near don't even need to watch the weekly shows. I was uh, yeah. at work. Uh, at work, I put on uh, WrestleMania 30 because mm-hmm. I just want my coworkers to see that. And they fucking have, you know. Now, I will tell you, the storyline going into WrestleMania was awesome for Daniel Bryan. But they had a promo package that said, like, this is it. And all my coworkers that were at least interested were like, oh, I get this story. So, oh. I'm like, you don't even have to watch this, yes. the weekly stories. So, when I did this other podcast back in the day, the all-weekly wrestling, whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, where people would call in. One guy said that's what he started doing, was he would just watch the pay-per-views. And you knew the story because they give you the vignettes, which is great, which is fine. It's perfect. But oftentimes, those are better and more succinct than the story you fucking told along the way because you selectively picked only the good parts. Meanwhile, you told 90% of bad parts around it. Mm-hmm. So not watching the shows might be better for me to make this match entertaining. And that's a bad move, right? Like that mm-hmm. means you should think about that. You should do something about that. It's not just blowhards on a podcast, which we are. I mean, I get that, right? But, like, we're not wrong in the logic, right? Which means you're disconnecting a lot of folks who think like us. You may get some people who don't consider that or think that, but that's your floor, 
right? Because they're not thinking about it. They're just watching it, just watch it, right? But we're Habit. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And we're telling you something's wrong here. You're like fucking not connecting. And yeah, we're going to watch because it's a fandom. But like, it's we're not taking it seriously and we don't value what you're putting out. Well, and there's a reason why we're still recapping AEW Dynamite and not Monday Night Raw. We, here's the thing that I will promise you, the listener or viewer, if you're watching on YouTube, is we will start to recap the best show. So this is our promise to you. If AEW Dynamite goes the way of Raw, and let's just hypothetically say NXT or even SmackDown becomes the must-watch show over a, a, a good- If Impact Wrestling becomes the best fucking show in wrestling, then we'll, you're, we'll break that down. We're going Which, into- Which, by the way, they signed Kaz. I don't know if you saw that. Anyway, I did. Yeah. But he's now W. Morrissey. Yeah, he's going or by maybe his real name. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, good for him. Credit to him for uh, fighting yeah. back after those demons. Uh, you know, credit to him again. But uh, what I'm going to say to to the listeners and to the viewers is, you know, we will recap what we enjoy, and right now we enjoy AW. Now it is a responsibility because. If we were to cover, let's say, basketball, and we liked a rec league basketball league in Indiana, it would be stupid not to talk about the NBA fucking finals. So that's why we talk about WWE, because it's still the number one show in the world. So that's why we talk about it. Castle wide net, pal. Yeah, you got to get all the fucking ears there, pal. Um, Hey, uh, I will say, though, side note, if you are looking to watch something else on Monday nights that is pretty captivating... Spring Baking Championship on Food Network. Mm, Pretty good. All right. Okay. Pretty good. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Not Dark Elevation, huh? Go with the cakes. Well, Dark Elevation's a YouTube. You can watch that kind of whenever. You can watch that whenever. Yeah. But uh, Monday Uh, nights, if you need it. And then NXT. I don't know. I mean, not much happened there either for me. That like, I mean, the, the ways continuing their thing with the indie Hardwell, you know, the Dexter. I, yeah, I, I that. like that when she was like, "You talk too much," and then mm-hmm. Dexter threw it aside, yeah. and Dexter took the fall. The grizzled young veterans against Champa and Thatcher. I mean, we've seen this, but like, that's gonna be just fucking. Oh, that's gonna be physical as fuck. Yeah. However, did I miss? How did Thatcher and Champa become BFFs? They had like a bit of a like they were staring off for a while and like do it, and then I think like they had a match and then he was just like, "All right, I see you're fucking." T-. And he was like, "Well, listen, let's fucking." Okay. They've got a fucking thing open. I think it was the tournament was happening at tag okay, team, yeah. so he's like, "I know I want to fucking win that, and I know yeah, you're because, good enough to win it." And well, so they were that, like, "Right, fuck it," you know what I mean? Yeah, that feud that they had that had mm-hmm. a match on a takeover. I was like, "More of this," yeah. and I loved it. And I think it was know, one of those. It was like. Right, you look like a sick motherfucker who might rip a motherfucker's limb off too. Let's go rip some limbs off, right? And it was like, I'm down to rip some fucking limbs off. And their promos are great because it always ends with like they're staring, like it's it's like us right now, right? We're side by side. Thatcher says something. Champa starts getting a little more fucking heated, and then he gets up and fucking throws that chair off and walks off. And Thatcher's just still sitting there like, it happens almost every time, and I fucking love it. I love it that, like, Chompa just gets so pissed he's got to fucking throw the chair and leave the room, and Thatcher's like, are you fucked up now? <laughs> I fucking love it. So, Is this our spirit it. animal? Is this is this our spirit animal? Would you be Thatcher and I be Chompa? I think so. Like, I think, <laughs> I think, albeit, I mean, I get pretty Chompa. Oh, you do. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, get very, you do. I get very Chompa at times. Uh, ask my neighbor over this dog Ooh. fight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, oh, and remember the soccer game. <laughs> remember the soccer. <laughs> Since oh. we've done this show, I can I can tell you for a fact, 
for a fact, since we've been doing podcasts together, Tom, over the last seven years, I have yelled at two ladies, <laughs> one in their 40s <laughs> and one in their 60s, and have given them the business. <laughs> I mean, I'm fucking... <laughs> Have fucking went full throated <laughs> military drill instructor like you're fuck you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, I am all about gender equality. If you're being a fucking asshole, I am going to tell you you're gonna tell you you're an asshole. I don't hit anybody. I don't fucking fight. I'm just right when I fucking say the shit to you and I'm very loud and fucking animated about it and they don't know what to do about it. That's how I fucking get over <laughs> in the real world. This fucking lady right down the street and her fucking dog can kiss my ass. And this lady at the soccer match can kiss my ass. <laughs> ah, that's so great. <laughs> I've yelled at two ladies in the last five years and they average at least 50 years old. <laughs> ah, that's so great. <laughs> Oh god! And then the one guy had to like apologize to her son, be like, "Listen, man, I know you saw me yelling at your mom, and like, I bet that was pretty awkward. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you in that position." He's like, "Yeah, that was pretty fucked up, but I mean, like, I mean, I can kind of tell he's like, I mean, I, I, I know what my mom's like, you know what I mean?" So he's kind of like, "I mean, I, 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 but yes, like, of course, that put me in an awkward position. So I appreciate you saying that, you know what I mean?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course. Like, god, I mean, god. you know, I mean, we weren't beefing." I was beefing with your mom. <laughs> and you just happened to fucking stand there and not say anything because you knew I was right. But anyway, <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. All right, let's get to some tweets. I right. tell a better fucking story than they tell on Raw, God damn it. <laughs> All right, let's do some tweet the table. That's great. All right, oh yes. God. Let me get a set up. <laughs> For Tweet the Table. Tweet the Table is a fun interactive segment that we like to play on this show where you get to chime in. We talked about wrestling for a good solid. I think we're going on an hour and a half here. By the way, Tom, I haven't told you this. Uh, we've been test streaming the whole time, and it seems like it may be working. I'll find out. Oh. If it works well, if this test stream, which is private, you can't see it yet. If the test stream works well, maybe, just maybe, we'll discuss going live. Hey, live, interact live. with us live. Yeah, live, that'd be great. Live. But you can interact with us. We've been talking for an hour and a half. About pro wrestling. But we're blowhards. We're the kind of guys that yell at old ladies. So what the fuck are we? <laughs> why are you going to listen to us? We want to hear what you got to say. You use hashtag tweet the table on Twitter. You can follow us on all kinds of social media. We're on Facebook, <laughs> Spanish Announce Table Podcast. We're on Instagram at Spanish Announce Podcast. We're on Twitter at, at yells at old ladies. We are on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's that table I was show. beefing with your mom. I was fucking yelling at your mom. And you understood that I fucking, you know what I mean? I was right, but, you know. I'm sorry, you probably fucking looked weird. You got to explain to your mom why you didn't stand up for her. Uh, so, Twitter, at Table Show, use hashtag Tweet the Table with your wrestling thoughts. You're watching wrestling, you're thinking about something, you're like, and MJF was a dick. Let us know, use hashtag Tweet the Table, we're going to read the best ones on the show, and it's an hour and a half deep, so we're going to read the best three right here, Tom. Tom, are you ready for this? Tom, are you ready for this? Tom, let's yell some old ladies. And first up, we got at Mr. Fourth Row. He says, at table show, Jay Leon whipping, a.k.a. slapping meat with Jungle Boy on AEW Dark Elevation. Gotta love it. Hashtag tweet the table. 
I'm a dinosaur. That's I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Jungle Boy needs to go with that. Well, and so does Luchasaurus. But yeah, that was and Jungle Boy. That's the thing. Dark and Elevation do amazing uh, jobs at giving a spotlight on the JD Drakes of the world, for example, and that's great. Um, but we need some story. You know what I mean? Like this was good and that was great. And you know, thumbs up all of that. And that's okay to have on this show. But again, like I mentioned, the Cody story could be on here or the SCU story could be on here. And that's I couldn't agree more. And, and you know why? Because that was a great match, but mm-hmm. a bunch of great moves, mm-hmm. but moves don't matter. Next at Devil Vamp says hashtag tweet the table MJF promo about how he has everyone's future on his shoulders. That was amazing and fucking true. That felt like a knife to Jericho. And yes, God, all of these felt like a knife to everybody in that promo. I mean, we talked about it earlier, got it up here behind us, but everybody was fucking stabbing everybody in the heart in that promo. And it was amazing. If you're building a promotion right now, is he your number one pick? If you can pick anyone mm. to have to start a to start I'd, a promotion, I'd probably just go with Roman Reigns. Seeing what Roman Reigns can do now, no, and no. knowing his star power, you're wrong. Uh, He's got leukemia. I don't bet on that. So I'm going to go with MJF. <laughs> go with MJF. Not to say that I don't, I don't hope anything happens to him. I'm just saying health concerns and with COVID and a pandemic, I'm not trying to put that guy out in a big crowd. Man, put MJF on Conan or fucking, who are the guys now? Uh, Kimmel insulting mm-hmm. them. It's going to draw some eyeballs, right? Like if he's on Conan insulting Conan like he can do it. Conan's an improv guy. Conan's like oh, yeah. one of the smartest improv. He's a Harvard graduate, was mm-hmm. a writer for SNL, improv wizard. And the Simpsons. Yeah. And the Simpsons, yeah. Like, MJF could fucking go toe to toe and and murder him, and it would be fun. Oh yeah, it would be fun. I would think so. Yeah, I'd build it around MJF. I think yeah. he's really the future, to be honest. Yeah. All right, we've got a new tweet the table er, new member of the of the hashtag Table Nation, a good friend of ours. We love this guy, but his first tweet the table, as far as to my knowledge, and it's at Jeremy and KC. He says hashtag tweet the table. John Silver should win all of the titles. From Kenny Omega. Hash, oh, I already said hashtag to the table. Hey, fuck it, hashtag to the table. Say it seven times. Um, look, I wouldn't hate John Silver getting more spotlight, right? We're not going to see that happen over Kenny Omega. Mean, John Silver's not taking all the titles from Kenny Omega. But John Silver is so fucking fun and should be featured more. The guns and poses, his charisma, his fucking, like, you want to like that guy when you hear him fucking speak. You know where I kind of equate him to if he were to get a victory like that over a Kenny Omega? Do you remember in 2000, I think it was one, where Chris Jericho won the won the heavyweight championship over Triple H, but then later in the night had to give the title back because Earl Hebner fast counted right. and all of that. Mm-hmm. But the pop that happened when Chris Jericho got that, because at the time he was just a mid-card guy that everyone kind of was getting behind. I feel like John Silver is that kind of guy right now to where if you do have a roll-up victory over a Kenny Omega let's say John Moxley, you know, whoever the champ is at the time, that would totally work because although at first complete transparency, I didn't get the whole guns and poses thing. I thought it was a little weird, Mm -hmm. but then once they went into, Hey, we're not like an evil cult. We're just a bunch of goofballs playing dungeons and dragons. Then I was like, yeah, I like this guy. 
I like I like how he flexes. I like how just he's a bowling ball of just energy uh, on the BTE shows. I like what he does there to a certain extent. Sometimes it gets a little crazy, but yeah, John Silver, thumbs up in my book. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's super fun every time I see him. And and again, it's like you're saying this Dark Order thing where they became this like Dungeons and Dragons nerds is what allowed that to shine. I, mm-hmm. If there would have been an irreverent, you know, we're kind of yuck yuck guys group that just kind of evolved on their own. I don't think it would have worked as well outside of this tragedy where we kind of were open to seeing anything they did. Right. Mm -hmm. And Brody Lee still had a comedy aspect to the dark order, even though he was dark. Right. We saw those Mm -hmm. like on, on the YouTube shows and stuff where they laughed, they enjoyed themselves. Yes. He was trying to get them to be like, focus your dark energy and, and use it to help you was kind of his thing. But like, they had fun in the back, even when he was fucking with them and being mean. So um, it all flowed well for them, and I think this is the correct angle they should be going. If they were still a Dark Order group, this would have been failing miserable. Well, and I'm very excited because of the you know IWC getting behind John Silver, where he comes back on the roster. You know he's out with injury right yeah. now, so when he comes back, where does that put him? Does that put him automatically back in that TNT Championship picture, or? What do we do? So that's a very interesting thing because AEW has yet to do that where guy comes back from injury that already had some steam before it. And the thing I'm most excited about is Jeremy and KC using hashtag tweet the table. This Thank is one you. of the coolest dudes I know, man. This dude is funny, and I hope you oh. do it more, Jeremy. And I hope so all funny. of you watching slash listening at home do it more. By the way, I said watching. If you're only listening to the podcast, did you know we are on the y'all tube. You go to youtube.com slash Spanish announce tube. See what I did there? Or you can go to Spanish announce table.net and find all the links you need there, right? Our, all our social media links are there. The YouTube link is there. The audio podcast link is there. The link to donate to us if you want to give us some money is there. And the link to buy merch is there. We're putting up new merch all the time. We are. I mean, you come should on. fucking come hang out with us and use hashtag tweet table and join us. And I mean, look, I don't know what other way to leave you guys with other than moves don't matter. They don't. The Spanish announce table.